Hello, Silverliners, and welcome to The Lunch Ladies. It's spooky season, and today is episode number 13. So there's all kinds of bad luck going on here at The Lunch Ladies. As you know, I'm Liz Coyne, Managing Editor, and I'm here with Executive Editor Diana Guberts. Diana, big question for you. What are you going to be for Halloween? <laughs> Does dog mom count as a costume? No. I was thinking maybe like a 1920s thing, but I guess we'll see. I'm going to take my nephew trick-or-treating with my husband, so maybe I should be something scary to traumatize the children. What are the dogs going to be for Halloween? I have not gotten that far, and honestly, that's partially because I'm supposed to be picking out a costume for the horse that I'm showing at our barn, which I was going to do a big cardboard letter C and call it a seahorse. Waka waka. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got to come up with costumes for not just yourself, but also two dogs, two cats and a horse. Yeah, not my horse, but a horse is a horse, of course. I don't know what I'm going to be for Halloween. I'm actually here in Pennsylvania, a little tiny town uh, where my parents live, visiting with them for the Halloween weekend. So I'm going to help my mom uh, hand out candy to all the trick-or-treaters. And speaking of trick-or-treaters, I thought we could traumatize our listeners uh, with some spooky haunting stories at the end of our episode. But before we get into the dessert of this episode, let's talk about the appetizers, which is a slice of toast news. We talked about toast a few episodes back. They're a cloud-based restaurant platform. They just struck a deal with North American food distributor food distributor Gordon Food Service. They're going to be supporting restaurants in Canada with a streamlined point-of-sale experience. So what you're saying is they're going to make it easier for everyone to get a plate of mashed potatoes and gravy or poutine. Exactly. And speaking of gravy, let's get to the meat of today's episode. I want to start by highlighting a story by one of our freelance reporters, Sue Merrick. She wrote about Java and more specifically how companies are using the programming language to help cut their cloud costs. It seems 90% of companies surveyed by Azul Systems, Diana, said that they use Java in a cloud environment. And 46% of respondents said they're cutting costs by using a Java virtual machine implementation of the Java virtual machine specification. Say that two times fast. Java virtual machine specification. Java virtual machine specification. Since it allows them to use their cloud resources more efficiently. Diana, what do you make of all of this? I think it's really cool. And certainly the idea of cutting cloud costs and right-sizing resources is something I've been hearing about a lot in conversations I've been having. And it's interesting to me that Java is filling this gap. To me, when I hear Java, I think of it as like an older thing, but I guess maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an expert, but I'd be interested to see if there are other programming languages that are being used to serve a similar function. Yeah, I, I, I'd i agree with you there. So all you programming language experts out there, send a message into the editor at the bottom of Silver Linings homepage. You can find uh, right to us and send us a note and let us know what you think about this news from, about Java. So what else do we have this week, Diana? All three hyperscalers reported earnings this week. Uh, AWS is actually set to report after we 
we record this podcast. But I wanted to highlight some of the takeaways from Alphabet and Microsoft's earnings that already happened. And when it comes to Alphabet, it seems that Google Cloud's growth slowed again. But it seems like AI could give them a big boost going forward, particularly after the company releases Gemini. Diana, I thought Gemini was just a star sign. (laughs) Not really, (laughs) but uh, I'm not that spacey. (laughs) But um, what kind of AI is Gemini? Gemini was first announced at IO in May, Google's annual event, and it's Google's next generation foundation model. So basically, it's designed to be multimodal, which means it'll be able to handle different types of data. And Sundar Pichai said during earnings that it'll be the basis for the new models that Google has coming out in 2024. And the release date is still TBD, but it's definitely something we're going to be watching since he mentioned that they're going to be incorporating it across all their product suites, and that includes Google Cloud. That's wild, and I really can't wait to see what it brings to the table. I do hope it's not an AI overlord, but I think you mentioned Microsoft too. Their Azure cloud growth, woof, (laughs) was also down year on year, but New Street Research seems to think that the slowdown was mostly due to tough earnings comps year over year, and that the growth rates will stabilize in the 20-ish percent range. 20% growth doesn't seem like that much of a bad thing. And I know, gosh, was it three months ago already that when their Q2 earnings came out there, a lot of the hyperscalers were looking to AI to save their bacon. So maybe it's helping out over the last quarter. 20% is definitely not a bad thing. Uh, You have to remember what 20% is being compared to, right? So in the post-COVID couple years, everybody flocked to the cloud en masse. And so they had wild growth rates. Um, So to anybody else, 20% growth would probably be pretty good. Um, To these guys, they're comparing to 30 plus rates, which is why people are complaining about 20% growth being a bad thing. Yes, they have been talking about AI for a while. It seems like New Street thinks that continued spending on AI and digital transformation will help. And at any rate, the hyperscalers and their cloud divisions are going to continue to rake in billions of dollars. Absolutely. has nothing to sniff at. And one more thing before we move on to dessert. Another story that I wanted to highlight this week, uh, Diana, you also wrote about this one. Verizon Business's small business chief said that SMBs want to get to the cloud, but they lack the know-how. We were hearing this from a lot of folks that we talked to, not just uh, from Verizon Business. You know, the cloud does hold plenty of opportunities for small and medium businesses, and it requires less upfront investment from small players with little to no legacy infrastructure to deal with. But Getting to the cloud requires a certain amount of digital know-how, and that can be a problem with the skills gap. Plus, businesses, SMBs especially, who lack the skills, don't know where to start. What did your contact at Verizon Business say when you talk with her? Her name is Aparna, and so what she told me, this isn't in the story, but it's interesting nonetheless. She compared it to walking down the cereal aisle these days, right? If you're new to the cloud and you're looking at all these software as a service offerings for the different elements of your business, right? The billing, the financial aspects, the legal aspects, the ordering aspects, and all of that. You're shopping this giant aisle of cereal offerings for each part. And yes, she said there are ratings out there, but 
those ratings systems don't take into account the individual needs of each business. And so they just don't know where to start. And basically the idea is if they could just go into a store and talk to somebody about this, that could be a huge help for SMBs. And so that's interesting to me, the idea that cloud could maybe use a retail footprint, but in the meantime, Verizon is happy to fill that gap. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say a lot of these, a lot of the telcos have a business vision, like Orange Business Services, Verizon Business, AT&T Business. I think that being the kind of mediator between small businesses and the cloud is probably something that we're going to have to watch when it comes to business growth and revenue over the next year, for sure. Absolutely. So now let's get to the good stuff. We mentioned traumatizing children, (laughs) which isn't that nice, earlier in the episode. And since it is uh, spooky, coming up on spooky Halloween weekend here, I wanted to tell you a ghost story, Diana, something that really happened to me. Yes, spooky Halloween. So I had a great Aunt Dorothy and she loved to write short stories. And she was constantly trying to submit them to Reader's Digest, of course. Uh, This is back in the 60s and 70s. And she knew that I wanted to be a writer. And she always encouraged me and wrote me letters when I was away at camp. And she was a really great aunt. I remember at Christmas, she would just buy me stacks and stacks of Nancy Drew mysteries. And she also really encouraged me to read. Well, she passed away when I was in high school and Christmas was her favorite time of the year. And I had come home from college for the Christmas holiday. And I, one evening after dinner, I went out to meet some friends. And when I came back to the house, my mom and sister were making Christmas cookies. And they said, Oh my gosh, Liz, aunt Dorothy's jingle bells. She had sleigh bells that we called her jingle bells. Aunt Dorothy's sleigh bells, were jingling by this by themselves in the basement of our house. No. And, yes. And my mom and sister were really freaked out. And they were like, we kept going down to see if there's anybody there. There wasn't. We come back upstairs and the sleigh bells will jingle again. And this was the Christmas after she died. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. So I went to go p- put my stuff in my room. And when I got into my bedroom, my favorite pair of shoes, she loved shoes. My favorite pair of shoes were sitting right in the middle of my bedroom with one of her short stories that I had never seen before sitting on top. <laughs> That's so spooky. I know. Uh, my mom and sister nearly died. I thought it was really cool, of course. But yeah, it was a really spooky evening. Have you ever had any ghost experiences, Diana? I don't know if they're ghost experiences so much as premonitions, but they all involve my parents and death. So I'm going to avoid those. But I will tell you a spooky one from my husband. So he had an uncle that had passed away. And so they used to say that his basement was haunted by Uncle Roy because they would be downstairs. They would be on the computer. They would catch a glimpse of a guy standing over their shoulder in the computer screen wearing like a flannel and they had not really met this uncle very much but then when they saw him in a photo album they were like oh my gosh that's the guy we saw reflected in the computer monitor and (laughs) they would see it and they would turn around and there was nobody there yeah 
Very spooky. Definitely lots of hauntings up in the northern New Jersey world that we used to live in. (laughs) Yes. I'm here uh, visiting my parents in Pennsylvania, which is not only a prime spot for Bigfoot sightings, but my parents live about 15 minutes from like one of the most famous UFO landings around the same time as the Roswell UFO landing, but this one's Kecksburg. So it's literally like 10 minutes from their house. You can go to Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, see the replica of the little ship that the firemen saw landing in the woods. The firemen of today built a replica of the ship and they put it on top of the firehouse But it was so heavy, it started to squash the roof of the firehouse. They had to move it to a a little stand next to the firehouse. But yeah, pretty cool. One of my dad's friends was one of the first firemen on the scene when the UFO crashed. And then... No way. Yeah. And then... I have a very serious question for you. Okay. Are you maybe an alien? (laughs) Jeez. Did you hear my dog? (laughs) Yes, I did. Your dog sneezed. No, I am not an alien. But you never know. But yeah, that after the UFO crash, then the Air Force came in and shut down the entire like side of the mountain for three weeks. And then they took whatever it was that crash landed out on a truck in the middle of the night. Silver liners. We're definitely going to need you to send in your spooky Halloween stories and your alien stories. Yes, for sure. It's Halloween. Let's wrap things up for today. This time we're going to share some announcements. This November... 3rd. Diana, November 3rd or 4th will be the last day to submit your entries for our Cloud Innovation Awards program. So get moving. You can go to tinyurl.com slash lunchladiespodcast, and that will take you to the submission page. You can submit in the AI, 5G, automation, networking, and data center solutions categories, plus top cloud change maker. So you can also submit your executives. I was just going to say shout out to everybody who asked me if there was a deadline extension coming. I wasn't allowed to tell you. I'm sorry. Yes. The old deadline was October 27th. It's now, I think, November 3rd. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So winners will be announced at our inaugural Cloud Executive Summit in December. Speakers at the summit now include AWS, AT&T, Build-A-Bear, KPMG, Cloudera, Caffeine TV, Caraloop, Palumi, and many more. So trust us, you won't want to miss it. And one more thing, another exciting item coming out from Silver Linings next week is we're launching our first ever cloud survey. So keep an eye on the site. If you are a telco service provider or from an enterprise, small, medium, or large enterprise, you will be able to take our cloud survey. So keep an eye on the site for that. I think that's all for this week. So thanks for joining us and over to you, Diana, for the credits. This podcast is written and hosted by Elizabeth Coyne, Diana Guberts, and many ghosts. It is edited and produced by Matt Rickman. Have a spooky Halloween, everyone. See you next time on The Lunch Ladies.